0: Today, I'm telling you, I think Australia cooks the best Italian food, better than Italy. Yeah, as in Italian, today there's better better Italian food here than it is in some part of Italy or some restaurants of Italy. All the chefs, all the Italians, they wanted to, to show this country that they were bringing something. And so everyone's cooking some delicious food these days.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Over the last year, we've talked to many looking for a change, whether it's out of hospitality, a new perspective on their role, or new roles within the industry. Some have found the space to make change, others have been forced. But with a world fascinated by food and its positive impact, there are some that make a leap of faith into a career in hospitality from vocations far removed from the colour and creativity of hospitality. Horatio D'Elia is the co-owner and executive chef of Matteo Double Bay and downtown in the CBD of Sydney. Horatio, how are you? Good. Ciao, Anthony. I'm well. Are you? I'm good. You've uh, made some pretty incredible career changes uh, in in your life. You, you're a chef, but you also worked as a salesperson selling um, baby products with your uh, family, baby suppliers. Can you tell us? about that period of time?
0: Yeah, so basically it's a family business and um, it's a bit of a funny story because when I came to Australia the first year, um, I just came for a year to a bit of fun and uh, learn English and then go back to Italy and join the family business. But I felt that it wasn't the right move. You know, I, I was missing Sydney so much that I thought, you know, well, this is never going to work for me. I never want to work in my dad's shop. And why I'm doing this now? I just had the taste of this beautiful country, which is Australia. And now I'm stuck in Italy and it was winter time. So you can imagine how hard it was. Plus, you know, I met some friends and, you know, a girlfriend at that time. So I thought, you know what? I'm going back. And um, here I am again after uh, almost 17 years.
1: Well, selling baby supplies is a little bit different to doing some of the best pizzas in australia
0: yeah well i guess it is isn't
1: it well take, take us back to the early times we can talk about sort of what you've been doing in australia but tell us about food in your family growing up and, and what led you to a career in food
0: so i mean as you probably heard many times food in italy is something that it's very important you know it's uh sacred every family will, you know will love you know, every morning you wake up, we'll, we'll ask you the first question, what do you want to eat for lunch? So starting with that, you're like, oh, okay, well, I don't really want to talk about that now, but because you asked, so let's uh, uh, – I love, love this, this and that. So you basically place the order with your mom or your grandma but whatever you want. And so you're always surrounded by food. And that's why I believe it just played with me, I guess, a big a big thing in my life that I sort of carried with me to those days. And, um, yeah. That's that's what I think it is, and I'm still attached to the solo sort of tradition, to be honest. When everyone comes to my house, I always go like, oh, eat this, eat that. So, I as a good Italian, you know.
1: <laughs> where, where did you get a start in the career in in hospitality?
0: Well, I started in uh, in Napoli. I uh, started working in local restaurants, you know, the one that uh, on uh, especially on the weekend have a, uh, you know, lots of weddings and uh, first communion. So, um started working in there and um, just worked my way up to, you know, in Italy as well in some of the uh, best hotels and stuff to learn a little bit the uh, the, you know, the work and um yeah, and that's, that's how I started, really. But if it if really started with me because when I was at the middle school in Italy and I had to choose which school I was going to, which was like then the, you know, the high school, I chose to go to the chef's school because there was no much mathematics to study there. And so I thought, you know what, that's the right school for me. So that's how it all started. That's how I went to the chef's school.
1: You worked all over Italy. T- tell us about some of the most influential times in that period before you made your way to Australia.
0: Um, look, I landed uh, while I was working in, uh, you know, in Napoli. Um, then I moved up because, you know, some of the chefs told me to go and explore, the, you know, other places in Italy. So I made my way at that time back to Milan uh, where I worked in a couple of other time one Michelin star restaurant. Um, and, you know, I did the stage there, but then it was just for winter time. Then in summertime, I would move more towards the the Adriatic Sea where there was some hotel where I could work and get paid as well. So I could do both. And then, you know, I started to meet a lot of people that actually have been to Australia and have traveled the world. They were telling me beautiful stories. So I sort of grew within me the sense of escape. Uh, Italy felt like it was getting too small. So I thought to myself, I said, I really need to try this. I really feel that I need to go and explore and meet people and learn another language because I think it's very important. And if you work as a chef, it's always good to, you know, to speak a couple of languages as well. And also you can pay for your travel uh, while you're you working in another country. So but it was a big bunch of things that made me, made the move. And uh, um, I had friends, which is Celia, which I believe you spoke to him not long ago, Lucio Pizzeria from Lucio. So we from the same town. And together we were always exploring the idea to, you know, to go somewhere in the world together. You know, he was a pizza chef, I was a chef. So I said, let's go somewhere. And um, he happened to find someone that came to italy to open a pizza place so he told me and he goes let's go to australia and i couldn't come with him at that time it was too hard for me so i said to him i said you know you start to go and then i will uh, i will reach you later on and that's what happened so after a year and a half i came to australia and he was already here for a year and a half so
1: were you surprised about the the food culture here what was it like for you you know having grown up uh, in Italy, with the rich food culture there, was 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 Sydney a shock?
0: Uh, look, a little bit worse. I must be very honest with you. A little bit worse because the, my first job that I got was actually with Lucio at a place called Amici in Cambrai. And, um, uh, you know, I was in the kitchen and obviously I couldn't speak English probably, so I was getting by and blah, blah, blah. So I remember one day this guy goes, Oh, can I have some uh, penna napoletana or spaghetti napoletana? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I just you know did this garlic, chili, capers, black olives. You know, beautiful little fresh tomato in there. I give it to him. He looks at me, and goes, "What's this shit?" I'm like, "Sorry what?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, what's this?" I said, "Where's the tomato?" I said, "Ah, you wanna with tomato?" I'm sorry, in Napoli we do with a little bit of fresh tomato. Cause now I just want tomato sauce tomato sauce. I said, you say Napoletana. Yeah, Napoletana is tomato. So I'm like, oh, hang on. I'm confused here. So this was an experience that I had in the beginning. And then, you know, there was a lot of things that people would cook here that i never seen in Italy. Like, for example, pasta with chicken. You know, we never cooked pasta with chicken and avocado in Italy. i never seen this before. Today, I'm telling you, I think Australia cooks the best Italian food better than Italy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, as in Italian today, there's better, then better Italian food here than it is in some part of Italy or some restaurants of Italy.
1: Why do you think that is?
0: I don't know. I guess the big migration of people that came here and they, you know, amongst all the chefs, all the Italian, they wanted to, to show this country that they were bringing something, and so you know, everyone's actually played a big part, um, and everyone's cooking some delicious food these days.
1: What's it been like for you using Australian ingredients and creating that Italian offering in Australia?
0: Well, I think you always have to pay respect to the to the to the land and to their produce, which I think they they're fantastic. So, um, and sometimes the mind of a chef works that you are always good to try different things, putting things to different ingredients. So I don't think I don't have any problem. I actually I do love some native. Uh, ingredients and I use them in my kitchen and I'm I'm very happy and very proud to sort of say wow this is something that I created it's an Italian recipe but with some Australian ingredients in there I think there's nothing wrong with it it's amazing
1: you mentioned that translating uh, food from your heritage was difficult at first but you ended up uh, being a head chef on the north side of Sydney for for a couple of years what was it like translating your food during that period of time
0: well, the first that was uh, my basically my first shop, shop job as head chef in Sydney, and uh, when I walked in that kitchen, uh, you know, I, the, the owner was actually from Italy. He was been here for many years and asked me to start to do some of the Italian dishes that I used to make in Italy. But it was hard because the team that I had surrounded me were basically used to, to do other things, and it took me a little while to. get my point across especially with them Uh, because no one really wanted to sort of you know something very simple that we believe it's something delicious they they thought wasn't good fit so i had to fight hard to get my point across with the chefs and i guess the clientele at the time we're talking about 17 years ago so
1: Mm. yeah you you later moved over to double bay um, for a couple of years but You really sort of took off once you joined the Icebergs group um, as co-head chef. Tell tell us about how that came about and and what it was like being part of Icebergs.
0: Well, so basically before Icebergs, I was at Popolo in uh, Raskaris Bay and uh, Mr. Maurice Terzini was, um, you know, in Neil Avenue next door. So that's when we sort of met and we got together and uh, I left Popolo and I joined icebergs and for me there was like wow <laughs> I could not believe I was just you know basically working in that kitchen and have that as an office so um, it taught me a lot of stuff um, I still have a lot of respect for Morris because he was a big teacher for me for my career in Sydney um, and you know joined that group where I sort of learned how to see things in a different scale uh, the operation how you deal with you know big function or have a different clientele and you know delivering an exceptional exceptional product on the plate um because for where you were you know uh, i remember when i went there there was a lot of meat dishes on the menu which i say to Morris, i said this is not a steakhouse i think we should sort of you know change the food a little bit around have more fish variety and blah 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 and he goes Let's go for it. And so I sort of felt like a little bit more comfortable to um, give my touch of things that I knew to the to the icebergs. And uh, they will always feel like big, uh, keep a big uh, part in my heart, you know, because it was the most exceptional
1: experience I did in Australia. It wasn't long before you and Maurice Tazzini started talking about a, a, a sort of a more casual Italian spin-off uh, that became quite successful in Bondi, uh, Razzio Pizza and Porchetta. T- tell us about the early days of that.
0: Yeah, in Italy they say that the first uh, you never forget the first love, so that was my first love. So uh, while I was with Morris at the Icebergs, I say I say, Man, I really, you know, I really have this idea that I wanted to open my own restaurant. I mean, you know, yes, I'm here with you, but I really want to do something on my own and he told me that he had um, a little gig coming up. So we went to have a look at it, and he goes, what do you want to do? I said, look, I think we should bring a pizza to Bondi. And there's no one doing both fire oven pizza. And he goes, you're right. You know, he goes, well, wow, and what, what else? And he goes, what else? I said, look, I don't know. I mean, I want to do something very simple, affordable, for everyone to come there, have a meal, and leave, and, you know, don't, don't, don't think they're breaking the bank, and maybe come back three times a week. So then, you know, started tossing ideas around and, uh, we you know, thought about the porchetta. So I say, and he goes, pizza and porchetta. And he goes, great. And he goes, Morris, you know, has always a vision for things. And he goes, done, let's do it. And so that's how, we you know, we started to planning the Orazio Pizza and Porchetta. And, uh, you know, it became, as you said, a very successful place. Um, I'm very sad that these days it's not around anymore. People still ask me about it, but, you know, a lot of things always come to an end, they say. So.
1: Well, as, as you mentioned, we've had Lucio talking on, on Deep in the Weeds about what makes a great pizza, but porchetta is, um, is an amazing um, dish. Can you tell us about how to make the best porchetta?
0: Okay, so how uh, to make the best porchetta? The first thing I want to say, which I don't think I've said to anybody, when you call a porchetta, as in Italy, is the whole pig. It's not just uh, the leg or the belly or the shoulder. The porchetta is the whole pig. So that's where, that's where it started. So you get a pig, obviously, you never to get a good quality pig. You have to, um, in, in Rome, which is a dish from Rome from a place called, near Rome, called Riccia, that's where they're very famous for the porchetta. They use pigs of 120, 150 kilos. So it's it's really, really big. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. It's, uh, you know, in Pondai, we're doing pigs. In Rome, they do 120, 150 kilos. So this is the real porchetta there. So to to, to, try to change, how do we make that something here that is sort of similar? So let's get small pigs. Let's debond them and take all the bones out and fill them up with pork meat. I remember we used to use um, uh, pork neck from curabuta you know, the um, kurabuta pork neck, because they have a very high content of fat. Because when you cook something for so long on the spit or in the oven, pork meat can get quite dry. So, an I content, and I fat content of meat will make it the, the better, better dish. So putting all these pig or fill them up with all this pork neck all the spice the herb the salt the and all the things in there and then get a big needle and stitch it up like a big sausage you know and then put them on the bar put them in the cool room and after two days you put it on because you marinated the meat so you put it on and cook it and never up there for like six hours seven hours it depends on the on the the sides of the pig and, uh, you know, that, that that took a lot of pride to do that dish for me. So, you know, I had the name on the door, so I needed to be done
1: 100%. As you mentioned, Horatio's not there anymore, but you, you teamed up with the Kitty Hawk and the Island uh, creators to open Mateo in Double Bay and then a CBD location. D- tell us about Mateo.
0: So, Mateo takes the name uh, out of my son. Um, which originally was never my idea to do it, but my business partner, Eddie, wanted to sort of... Uh, we were tossing around names, and he goes, oh, how are you going to call your son? And, he, and I said, "Mateo." he goes, i done. We got the name. I said, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Especially after my experience leaving the Horatio and leaving the name behind, I thought, no, we're not going to do that. And then it took me literally a couple of months to get my head around and um, say, you know, let's do it. And so we did it. Um, Mateo came all about because, you know, I wanted to... Open, always open a restaurant in uh, Double Bay, and I never really had anyone that wanted to do it with me because you know it's a big big joint, and you know I couldn't afford to do it by myself. Then all of a sudden these two boys approached me, and um, we we got in together as partners, and we did Mateo, and you know the Mateo is actually a busy restaurant. It's cooks simple food, people dine with us three four times a week. Um, a little bit like a Dow Ratio but a little bit more now a little bit more upper market I would say you know a and, and notch up and you know the response it's been it's been great we've been open almost for four years and uh, yes we had you know COVID and stuff and blah 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 but I think we recovered quickly than we
1: thought we would well you did close CBD in March for a period of time, and you also became a dad to twin boys it's It's been a hell of a, a year.
0: Yeah. it came <laughs> in the right time
1: actually, like this. <laughs> tell tell us what it's been like the last year having two businesses and um a father of twins what's it what's it been like
0: look it's uh i mean the the first i don't know it just it felt like the last year in march when you know the the world was changing and we had to close I felt like I'm like okay we're reopening a couple of weeks and then I wasn't definitely like that then we closed Double Bay a week after the city the city reopened four weeks ago after a year being closed and Double Bay opened after like two three months but in the meantime while we were in lockdown uh, my wife was pregnant and she was was having twins I already had at the time a three years old which is Matteo And I was just at home. I'm at home and I'm like, what am I going to do now? (laughs) It's like, I don't know what to do. My wife and the kids go to bed at 6 o'clock and I'm by myself and I'm sort of a guy that talks to a lot of people every day. Um, And I just felt like I was by myself at home and uh, I only could have like a glass of wine to keep me company. It it was hard. It it was hard, man. Honestly, it was – now thinking back, I'm like, wow. You know, sometimes I got this uh, weird memory about being – at home and it was dark outside and I was by myself and I'm like what I'm gonna do like it's Saturday night usually I would be having the restaurant pumping and I would have a drink with people and just thanking them they come to my place now there's nothing um, and then you know I loved I love talking to people I love uh, uh sh- you know showing my guests uh, the appreciation that I have for them to come and see me and so th- uh, that was it was all gone it was all gone man it was yeah it was hard it was hard. For me.
1: You started cooking more at home and sort of reignited your love for cooking. Tell us about that experience and, and how it sort of changed your cooking.
0: Yeah, so look, for the first couple of weeks, uh, I was just, as I said, in a in a very weird mood. Everyone was calling, goes, oh man, you should probably do like all the other chefs are posting recipes and stuff. You should do it as well. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing it. I mean, I, I don't feel like, if I don't feel like doing something, um, I, I won't do it. This isn't the sort of person I am and uh, I don't like being told as well. So when people start to tell me, do this, do this, then I'll do not." You know, I'm not doing it. And then, I don't know, out of the blue, after two weeks in lockdown, and I remember posting this yesterday on my Instagram. My wife asked me if I could have making something to eat. And I got up and I I had some bread. I put some ham, some prosciutto there. And I said, oh, you know, let's make a mozzarella in carrozza. And so I made the dish and I took some photos. And without thinking about the whole the, thing about people asking me to do the recipe and blah 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 i posted on uh, instagram on my stories and then the next days i woke up to like you know 20 30 messages because oh my god mate this is beautiful so simple so good and i just felt like oh wow this made me These those messages of people they really made me feel like they appreciate what i did i said maybe i should do more so i All the And I started to cook more recipe and put it in. And the funny thing is that I don't go and plan it. I don't go and buy ingredients. And sometimes I open the fridge and this is my inspiration. Because what I want to show to people that sometimes you just open the fridge with whatever you have, the little you have, you can create the most amazing dish. You know, and that's the philosophy started for me to say, I cook dishes from my kitchen to yours. And, you know, just get in the kitchen, get creative and get cooking.
1: Well, one of those dishes I'd love you to explain and run through it for us was a vodka rigatoni.
0: <laughs> the famous vodka rigatoni. Oh, man, that's been doing uh, – I think I have did some damage with that dish, I'm uh, literally in the people's house and uh, people's health as well because um, a lot of people basically have set off their fire alarm at home and also have burned themselves. So he all started in the kitchen uh, downtown and a couple of uh, people, especially my partner is Russian, he goes, oh man, you know, should do some pasta with vodka, blah, blah, blah. I say, you know, I used to do pasta with vodka many, many years ago and we used to call it uh, perestroika. And basically it was this linguine with the same sauce that I'm doing now, but it was topped with um, some Russian caviar. So that was the dish that I used to make many years ago. And so he said to me, no, but let's do just the sauce without the caviar because not many people like it. And I said, okay, let's do it. So I did it. And everyone started to put it on Instagram and everyone started to come down and uh, they wanted the vodka pasta. And um, to the point that while I was in lockdown, I said, fine, I'm going to share the recipe with everybody, which is the most simple things to do it. And uh, our, our people are crazy for it.
1: How different has Mateo, particularly the CBD downtown changed? how much how different is it compared to you know pre-COvid? Did you have to make um, drastic changes to the offering given the how quiet the CBD is?
0: Yeah, look we we were closed for a year and when we reopened the door we 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 basically said let's trade just in the bar. So, we are not opening the whole restaurant. So, the bar is open and the outside area. So, um, we're looking at relaunching the whole place in about three weeks. So, opening the dining room. Wow. Um, yeah. So, um, a couple of things with that also because, obviously, I don't believe the city is 100% back. So, so we we thought that running a place uh, on a tight ship with the tight numbers of uh, staff in there would be better and you know what, Touchwood has been a great success so far. We've we been doing we've been open now for five weeks and it's been good. But now is the time to reopen the dining room. But Anthony, to be honest with you, I'm always like scared a little bit because I feel like I'm still living with that sort of, you know, this morning I saw the news, oh a little new cluster at a church in Sydney. So I'm like, my heart literally pounds. Because, you know, you know you're in for more, you you're gonna buy more stuff and I I mean, just looking at what happened all my friends in Melbourne with restaurants and people there you know they were ready to celebrate Valentine's Day and then they had to shut. so I feel like I live with suspense sometimes every time I hear that but you know life goes on you gotta fight you gotta get out there you gotta get up get the slaps get up again and just fight and uh, let's do it gotta do it man
1: You've got friends and family back in Italy and the circumstances there are very different to here, even though we're still living with it. What, have you spoken to people back home? And-
0: yeah, look, I, I speak to my mom on a regular basis because she wants to see the baby. So uh, my, I speak to her probably like four or five times a week in the morning and they're all locked down. Um, they're in lockdown. Yes, they got given another 15 days of lockdown. All the restaurants are still shut. Some of them, they do take away. Some they closed. They're never going to reopen again. Um, My family business is lucky because they sell baby food as well. So therefore they can be open, but with the restricted time. So therefore their business is down, but therefore they still pay sometimes the expenses because of the food offering that they have in the shops. Um, but it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, they, they will take years to recover, I think, especially the hospitality industry. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's chefs there, there's people that work in hospitality with some serious skills and they're just at home. where well, I wish we could have them here, you know, because one of the biggest problems at the moment in hospitality is staff. Um, find the right people and find good people. It's very hard at the moment.
1: You mentioned that the CBD is still a little quiet, but you're opening in a couple of weeks' time. What What's some of the positives you know emerging at the moment, and, and what are you looking forward to when you do open?
0: Look, I'm looking forward to uh, to obviously be be busy, um, and you know try to to to, to, run, to run still as a tight ship, um, give it like a good offering for people, and uh, try to be. Um, you know different from what we were before obviously we need to adjust a lot of things change our model around a little bit um have a different offering so you know someone wants to come for just a pizza mate please be my guest you know Uh, sitting in the dining room you know try to make sure we're there for people you know it's all about embracing everyone now you know um and this is what i'm looking for to welcome everyone
1: back well, it's going to be um, – I'm sure a lot of people will be very pleased to be back and enjoy your hospitality as well. Uh, Arazio, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Um, good luck with the restaurants and uh, and also the twins. And uh, we'll catch up and talk to you again soon.
0: Okay. Grazie, Anthony.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep.